Welcome to the Whole House Podcast, where you can find home, health, and family all in one place. Our team is comprised of moms from different upbringings and backgrounds. We each have different giftings and passions representing individual rooms, and together we are the Whole House. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for the Whole House Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. I've been doing a series on the instead of tips. What are instead of tips? These are tips that you can use for kids for hard from hard places instead of traditional parenting. Because if you are an adoptive or foster parent or you have a child with a capital letter syndrome, you know traditional parenting doesn't work with these kiddos. So what do we do instead? We have a handy little infographic on thewholehouse.org in the printable resource section that you can download for free on the Instead of Tips. Those are on one side, and on the other side is the Ideal Approach, which I'll probably do a series about next, unless I hear from someone who wants to hear about something else more. So let me read over, since we are on the last one of eight today, I'm going to read over all of them and then we'll get started on number eight. Instead of a lecture, use simple language, eight to 12 words total. Instead of waiting for behavior to intensify, respond quickly. Instead of giving orders, offer simple choices. Instead of just correcting, give an immediate retraining and a redo. Instead of expecting a child to know, clarify expectations. Instead of isolating when a child is dysregulated, keep the child near you. Instead of only noticing the bad behaviors, offer praise for success. And the one that we're going to talk about today, which is a biggie, instead of taking it personally, remember there is a need behind the behavior. Man, that's probably the biggest one that we struggle with, at least the biggest one that I have struggled with. I have struggled with just taking it personally. And I've said this before, when I had my first child and she had a lot of health issues, and this had nothing to do with being in foster care. This was a birth child, but because she had a lot of health issues, there was a lot of crying, not a lot of sleeping, spent a lot of time walking up and down the stairs with her on my shoulder when she was an infant, helping her to sleep because she had trouble breathing. And I was taking some things personally then. In fact, I told my husband, this child just doesn't like me. I don't think I'm going to have another one. She doesn't like me. And obviously, I have seven children, so I did not follow through with my advice to myself. But when I started getting some diagnosis for her and finding out that there were some underlying health issues, she was in the hospital with RSV for 10 days when she was four months old and then diagnosed with asthma shortly after that. So she just was not being able to catch her breath. So of course she was not happy and of course she couldn't sleep. She did better in kind of an inclined position, and that's why she slept better if I was holding her. And when she was in the hospital, I kind of had this switch inside of me flip 
from taking it personally to being mama bear, I need to make sure that my child is taken care of. And I began learning about asthma and the implications of that and the best treatment for that. And she started going to see a specialist. And then I realized there was a need behind that behavior. Now, I probably, as a young mom with my first child, probably didn't put it into those terms, but it did completely, completely change my perspective. I realized that she was suffering, and when she was suffering, I saw that there had to be a need. Either she needed some medication or some rest or she needed her inhaler and those sorts of things. So that's a good way to start to process what I'm talking about here is if you process the medical things, you know, we're more likely to say, hey, that child is in a wheelchair or, you know, has a walker or needs an inhaler. That's a medical need. I see there is a need behind that behavior. I see that that child needs extra help, extra attention, extra care. So therefore, we make more allowances for those kiddos and we give them grace. Well, if we look at behaviors the same way and look that there might be an emotional need behind that behavior and we don't take it so personally and we become detectives and say, you know what? What is the need behind that behavior? I understand that it's not always possible to sit down and take notes when your child is having a meltdown, but it is possible to make a mental note. Hey, every time, every day at three o'clock or 12 o'clock, like one of mine during lunchtime, every single day during lunchtime. She just had this habit of not taking herself to the bathroom. Even at five and six years old, seven, eight, nine, ten, keep going. And every single day during lunch, she would walk over to the refrigerator with her cup, her empty cup to fill it at the water dispenser. And as soon as that cup hit the button and the water started streaming, she realized she had to go to the bathroom. Now, when she was really young, it was really funny because she just started doing the pee dance and everybody would just like chime in like, oh, do you have to go? You have to go to the bathroom. You have to go to the bathroom. So there's one instance when you can take a mental note and say, okay, that child does not recognize her own body's needs to go to the bathroom. I might need to start setting a reminder for her and ask her to pay attention to that. And really, honestly, it happened to be a medical issue because she had had trouble with her kidneys for years and she was on a medication for a long time, which made her not even feel the need to go to the bathroom. So there's always a need behind the behavior. And obviously, that was kind of a funny thing that happened every day. It wasn't serious. It wasn't a meltdown. It was a medical issue. And we got a good laugh out of it. And we still laugh about that today. But I'm sure that you're listening because you have a lot more chaos or things that are more difficult to handle. And you would like to think this through, change your perspective and get some answers. And maybe you never thought about the fact that 
your parenting style is taking it personally and then doling out a consequence because that child made you mad. You know, we hear it all the time. All you have to do, well, we can't hear it now because we're not allowed to go to Target, but you know, when we were going to Target on a regular basis or any grocery store and you would hear a mom say, you're really getting on my nerves. You're really making me mad. In fact, one day I was grocery shopping and it was one of the days that I didn't do a pickup order. And I heard this mom and she had two sweet little kids with her who really wanted to help her out. And I'm not picking on this mom. This is just kind of a general overarching theme. It seems to be in our society. And she kept looking at her phone And at the same time, she kept saying to the kids, you're really getting on my nerves. You're really getting on my nerves. And I'm sorry, but I really had this feeling within me that I really wanted to go over there and give her a stern talking to or worse because the kids were not doing anything except asking to help pick out the apples, asking to help pick out the oranges, asking to get something and help the mama. And she was taking what they were doing as being good kids personally because there was something so much more important to her on her phone. And I'm just using that as an example. I would, even if I knew that woman, which I didn't, I would never say her name because we all fall into that trap of just taking everything. Like we have an agenda. This is what we're doing today. And I'm going to take it personally If you interrupt my agenda and when you have kids from hard places and they've had so much trauma and they're stuck in survival mode and they want to control the situation, that makes it doubly difficult because when you begin to take it personally, then they're going to have the power or the control over you and they're just going to go at you with no mercy and it could be totally so subconscious, like they're not thinking, hey, but some of them when they're older, they might be. So I'm going to read a little excerpt from How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos from this section. Instead of taking it personally, remember there is a need behind the behavior. When we look at behaviors as needs, we are less likely to take them personally. For instance, when we remind ourselves that the child can't regulate not won't regulate, we can set our personal feelings aside. When we set our personal feelings aside, we can take the reins and parent. It's not us against them. We're all on the same team. So before taking the behavior personally, ask yourself what the child needs. Is the child hungry, tired, overstimulated, triggered, living in his downstairs brain, unsure of the expectations, unable to adjust to a change of plans. It's our job to be the emotionally stable person in the relationship. In an article for PBS, Katie Hurley explains the one thing you can do to help your child become aware of their emotions. Express your own emotions Parents have a tendency to hide their own emotions from their kids. While kids don't need to be involved in the fine points of adult problems, it's okay for them to see you sad, mad, or overwhelmed. 
When you label and talk about your own emotions, you show them that we all have big feelings to cope with and that you trust them just as they can trust you. Two of my kiddos struggled with recognizing emotions in themselves and others. I made flashcards with different expressions on them, happy, sad, angry, afraid, frustrated. We practiced recognizing emotions with a mirror and with the cards. Sometimes the things we take so personally are emotions the child isn't equipped to express. In that sort of situation, the child often reverts to anger, the go-to for kids in survival mode. And I'll tell you, you know, the cards that I made by hand and laminated, that was a long time ago. I'm sure there are resources out there for you now. There's just about anything that you you can imagine as resources to help these kiddos. You know, the weighted blankets, the fidgets, and I'm sure there are also cards out there that you can get if that's something that your child is struggling with. Maybe you never thought about that. Maybe you never thought about the fact that your kids that you brought home through foster care and adoption don't even know what emotions are. They may revert to either shutting down emotionally completely and zoning out or just staying angry all the time. And it's okay to teach your children about emotions. It's okay. You know, you think about when your little ones are toddlers and you start buying those books or you watch something like Daniel Tiger where they're talking about how kids feel when something bad happens or when something good happens. Well, you may have to do the exact same thing with a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old and start explaining to them, it's okay to feel this way. What you're feeling is frustrated and it's okay to feel this way. Everything is not something to get angry about. There are other emotions. And so you're giving your child an emotional education and it's okay. And definitely do this in a private setting. You don't do this out in public and start yelling at your child and said, I told you, you're not feeling angry right now. And which is really tempting to do. And that's why I'm laughing. So it's, you know, it's when we step back and take a moment and think, what does this child need right now? And uh, honestly, like I said, sometimes it's you're in, the kid's already in major meltdown mode. That's not the time to do it. That's the time to maybe take some mental notes for the next time. But just begin to pay attention to those. And you may even have to form your own little mantra in your head and say, I'm not taking this personally. I'm the parent. I'm going to do my job. I'm not taking it personally. So we're out of time for today. And thank you so much for joining me for this series on the Instead of Tips. Make sure you hop on over to thewholehouse.org and grab your infographic. And I will see you next week. Bye. We're so glad you could join us on the Whole House podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on our Facebook page and on Instagram at the underscore whole underscore house. You can also follow us on thewholehouse.org by email to receive our newsletter and keep up to date on things happening at the Whole House.